Welcome to the Water and Stone podcast. You are listening to episode 119. The title of our Sunday worship service for June 2nd, 2019 is Sweat Equity. It is the fifth in our series, Truth Talks, BS Walks. Life works well when we work with God. We can identify with the solution instead of with the struggle. So our scripture for today is James 2.18, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. If you know your Bible, you know that this is one of approximately 17 billion (laughs) references to the age-old debate of faith versus works. At what point am I supposed to feel a thing on the inside? And at what point am I supposed to do a thing on the outside? This is the deal. And over and over again and over and over again and over and over again in Scripture, this comes up. You and I both know people. Maybe you and I have been people that feel like, you know what, I don't know how to do this thing about feeling a certain way on the inside. I don't know where to find inspiration. In fact, I'm not wild about the guy I see in the mirror or whatever, but I know that if I go do a bunch of stuff, maybe it'll be okay. I felt that way, but you and I both also know that if you've got hate and anger and stuff in your heart, it doesn't matter how many charitable works you do, there's something missing and there's a short circuit in the wiring there, right? On the other hand, I have certainly been the kind of person that has spent all my time just feeling a certain way. And it's awesome to go on a retreat or a workshop and do a thing and just contemplate your navel until the cows come home and not do a darn thing to make the world a better place. Somewhere in there, there is a balance. Somewhere in there, there is something that does both things. Somewhere in there, there's that place where it works out, that sweet spot, that Goldilocks zone where we're doing it just right. But the question is, how do we do that? What is the balance of faith versus works? How do I do both things and not feel crazy? How does it work? And that's really what we're here to talk about today. And it's an especially important thing because we live in a culture that's really good at doing a thing. We are really good at action. We are told to do a thing while we're doing a thing, while we're talking about doing a thing. How many things are on your to-do list today? It's a Sunday for Pete's sake. But you know what I mean. It's a virtue to multitask while you're multitasking, while you're talking about multitasking. Yesterday, we were at uh, Disney World, at the Magic Kingdom. It's hot outside, but we went anyway because we're crazy. But we went, (laughs) and there's that moment, man, I'll tell you, we've been so many times, and it's still magical for me. I talk about it all the time. It's a place dedicated to the idea that there's something fun, something sweet, something timeless. And I love all of that. I'm a sucker for it. But we're in line, Jenny and Miles and I, for Pirates of the Caribbean. And I've been on that ride. I mean, forget it. How many times? I can't even imagine counting. I've been in that same line, standing in those same places since I was a kid. And yet, to me, because I'm a big sap, it's still magical for me. And you feel like you're every, everybody in this room's probably been in that line. Everybody watching's probably been in that line. If you haven't, after the service is over, go. But anyway, you know that feeling. You feel like you're in a pirate castle, and it's a little bit dark, and it's a little bit spooky, and the pirate music is playing. And I don't know what's going to happen. Even if you've been on that ride so many times, you could recite every moment of that dialogue. We once the redhead. You could do the whole thing. But it still feels like something unexpected and magical and special is about to happen. And one of the reasons that I go to Disney all the time is that they have created this feeling of otherness, of specialness, of adventure about to happen. And that calls to my heart, as silly as it is. 
And I kind of look around. I mean, I know that Miles and Jenny are in because we're all nerds about it. But I kind of look around because you want to feel that because you're in this ocean of people going through that line. And I'm a little bit nosy. And so I'm paying attention to the people in front of me. And I see that the lady in front of me is on her phone. Ooh, drives me crazy. This is a magical place when you're on your phone. But she's not only on her phone, but she's at the Walmart website. Not that I was looking. She's on the Walmart website shopping for dog food. I'm like, this is, how can you do a more mundane thing in this place of amazing high adventure? You're about to deal with pirates, and you are looking for Alpo deals. Because we are encouraged to do a thing while we're doing a thing, to the point of distraction, to the point where we never actually do anything. We're too busy moving on to the next thing. Nothing ever gets done. It's very rare that someone in our culture gets to the place where they go, oh, I did a thing that I'm proud of. Because we are encouraged to move on to the next thing so quickly that there's no moment of, yes. And I beheld that it was good, that we are born with as our essence. We don't give ourselves a chance for that. We're so busy doing a thing while we're doing a thing. We're so busy doing a thing while we're doing a thing that when people fantasize about making it, about having the dream come true, about winning the lottery, let's say, they don't fantasize about doing healthy things, happy things, awesome things, adventurous things. Most of the time, what people fantasize about is stopping. Man, oh man, if I won the lottery, I would do nothing. That's the goal? That's what you're built for? Now, you know better. Because everybody in this room can't really hold still, not really. You're doing a thing, you're thinking about a thing, because you're a dynamic person. You're supposed to want to do happy, healthy, fulfilling things. You're not supposed to want to stop. But we're told that if, you, if you're miserable for long enough, you get to quit. Now that's hogwash. Sorry for my strong language. That's hogwash because we know, we've talked about it before, everything is practice, Right? You do a thing over and over again, you're only going to attract more of that thing. You're only going to get better at that thing. No matter what it is, everything is practice. So if you practice activity to the point of misery, you are never going to get to the point where you can relax. You can't practice one thing and expect the exact opposite. It is a silly thing to try and do when you know it because it has never worked for anybody ever. But I'm here to tell you that there's another way to do this. I'm here to tell you that there is a way to live your life that doesn't involve tying yourself in knots and it doesn't involve trying to escape from everything. I'm here to tell you that you can work with an idea of something bigger than you and the things you need to do will get done. But they will get done in a way that makes you better and makes you happy. I'm here to tell you that that's what you were designed for. And when you start living that way, man, there's no going back. Now, throughout this series, the... the uh, Truth talks and BS walks. I have to be very careful and say that slowly just in case. Throughout that series, we have talked about the idea in one way or another of taking out the garbage. This is a very big deal. The idea of getting done with. The prevailing concept is if God is already good, you don't have to go get God. You just have to say yes, just like you said in the meditation. If God is already here, you don't have to manufacture miracles. You have to allow them. So much of what we do is just figuring out how to get out of God's way. And so we've worked on a number of things. And there's something really heroic and really noble about going, no more. This dysfunction stops with me. 
I will not allow it to continue in my life. I'm going to take out the garbage. I'm going to say no to the toxic relationship. I'm going to quit the job that hurts my heart. I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to take out the garbage. I'm not going to participate in those conversations or in that Facebook thing or whatever, whatever it is. I'm going to take out the garbage. And it's beautiful. It's heroic. It feels good. But man, oh man, that's not the end of the story. In fact, it's really only the first step of the story. So many people stop there, and I get it, because it feels good. But here's the thing. Remember science class when somebody told you that nature abhors a vacuum? That has nothing to do with how clean the carpet is. Thank you for laughing at my joke. Nature abhors a vacuum, and what that means, you know this, what that means is when you make room in the physical universe, something wants to rush in to fill that space. That's just how the world works. Well, it's how the world works in a material way, in a scientific way. It's also how your heart works on a psychological level. It's how you work on a spiritual level. If you make room, something will rush in to fill that space. And so taking out the garbage is only the first step. Let me say that differently. If you have fear and anger and hate in your heart, you can go take out the garbage. You can get rid of a bunch of yucky stuff in your life. But if you don't change the way you think, if you don't change the way that you feel, if you don't change the way that you act, you know darn well that what's going to fill that space is more of the same. And you know that because you've lived it, and so have I. But we don't have to. There is another way. There is another way rather than just getting to the point where we're full and then we rebel against being full and then we fill up again. I'm here to tell you that we can get off that treadmill. Now... I get that desire to just rebel against everything. I get that desire. It's the thing that you feel. Remember when you were a teenager and you just wanted to rebel and everybody else, all the grown-ups held all the cards? You guys know everything and I just want to know a thing and I'm going to rebel and I don't even care. Honestly, I don't even care if I make mistakes. I want to mess up as long as they're my mistakes. I just want something that's mine. Remember that feeling? I think it's pretty common. Although it doesn't stop when you turn 18. There are some people that still live their lives that way. You know that one gesture that you make in traffic sometimes that you're not supposed to? It's sort of a single-digit salute. There are those people. I really worked on how to say that on a Sunday morning. There are those people that just want to do that to the world because they're so sick of not being able to win. And I get it. I'm just so full. I don't even care. I just want to rebel against everything. I just want to get out of this. I just forget it. You know, that feeling of, I can't play this game, so forget it. It's that teenage feeling. And it comes from a healthy place. I mean, you're engineered for action biologically, physically, spiritually, every other way. You're built to go and do things. And if we can't figure out how to do them in healthy ways, then by golly, we're going to do things in destructive ways as long as we do a thing. You can't help it. But that desire to rebel comes from a, a really good place because you're built for revolution. There's a part of you that wants to grow and change and have adventures. There's a part of you that wants to go and do and learn and be more. And that part of you never dies. It's the alive part of you. But that desire can get filtered through fear and ego and whatever weird stuff you grew up with and who knows what. And so it can get filtered into unhealthy kinds of rebellion. I get it. We've all been there. But you know what? We turned out okay. Here we are. Yeah, I got more to learn and grow through. I still have my moments. But here we are. So you can walk around with all kinds of regret about that, or you can go, you know what, look around. I turned out okay. I got more stuff to do, but I can do it when I recognize that it's okay. 
Because here's the thing. Every one of those rebellion stories ends in some kind of a beautiful homecoming. Easy way or hard way, sooner or later you get to that place where you realize that, you know what, it's going to be all right. Like I said, I turned out okay, it's okay, it's going to be all right. Everybody understands the desire to rebel, but sooner or later you come home. And isn't that the story? I mean, when you think about it, the Adam and Eve story, the Bible story, is a story of I start out in this place and I just want to do it my own way, man, because I don't get how the rules work. And so you go off and you do the thing and it takes Adam and Eve, really, metaphorically, the whole rest of the Bible to come home. The Cliff Notes version, the compressed version, that story is the prodigal son story, but it's the same story. Maybe your story is the same story. Mine is. Maybe it's everybody's story. And it's that story that gets repeated through all kinds of culture, the there and back again kind of an idea that we get over and over again. But sooner or later, in every character arc, there is that beautiful moment where we come home, either because we get it or because things are so terrible that there's no choice but to come home. Tail between our legs or head held high or both, it don't matter. Sooner or later, every hero story has a homecoming story. So wherever you are in that journey, I want you to know it's going to be okay. You'll make it. You have what it takes, or you wouldn't be in the middle of it right now. And the stories are different, depending on different people, depending on different things that you're working on. But one thing every homecoming moment has in common, you know what it is? Home. (laughs) One way or another, every homecoming story has in common the idea that sooner or later you realize that there's other people around. Yeah, maybe the family you grew up with biologically are not doing it for you. I get it. It happens. Yeah, yeah. That's okay to laugh at that. (laughs) Woo, I get it. Sometimes it's what we call a family of choice. Sometimes we attract to ourselves people on a soul connection that's deeper than DNA. I get it. But sooner or later, we all come home to a connection. Here's what I'm trying to say. This is adulthood 101. You know you're really a grown-up when you get this lesson. Are you ready? This is a big deal. Adulthood 101. Nobody ever does anything alone. I'll say it again. It's important. Nobody ever does anything alone. I know we get this romantic idea of the rugged individual, but it's garbage. When you think about every success story, yes, somebody stayed up all night and they invented a thing, but they did it because they went to class or they did a thing or they studied a thing or somebody invested in them, somebody cared, somebody listened, somebody bought it, whatever it is. Nobody does anything alone. If we're going to learn how to do the right thing, part of it is stop doing the dumb thing. (laughs) And part of the silly idea that I want to unpack is what we call the bootstrap myth. The idea that you're supposed to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've heard that. Somebody told you that. Right after something like stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. That kind, whether they said it with those words or different words. Somebody said pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Now I talked about this a long time ago so I'll go quickly. But just so you know, if you look this up on Wikipedia or whatever, if you Google for that phrase, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, if you really look at it, when the phrase was invented, when people started saying it, what they meant was you're trying to do something that's impossible. You cannot pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It don't work that way. And so when people first started saying it, they're saying, you might as well try to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Like, you might as well try to throw yourself to the moon. You can't do it. It don't work that way. And the point that it used to be, therefore, is you need help. You need other people. You need community. You need home. 
Now that gets filtered through all kinds of weird stuff. And now all of a sudden people think they're supposed to do it on their own, which is the reason why nobody ever gets anything healthy done. You can't get anything healthy done if you think you're on your own. The lesson is to start realizing that God has sent us teachers. God has sent us students. Be both. Honor both. And something amazing happens. But I'll put all that a different way. You ever play peekaboo? You know, peekaboo. You ever play that with a little kid? I mean, when, when they're babies, there's just one simple, you know, I see you, I don't see you. But as the kids get bigger, there's a more complicated version of peekaboo. Where you go, oh, I don't know where Stewie went. I don't know where he is. And Stewie's standing right there and he's laughing. You know that? Oh, where, where could he be? Is he behind the drapes? You know that game that you play with a little kid? And the thing about children is that they do not believe in their own non-existence. So to them, it's funny. We should be that way, too. There's no end of you, but that's a different talk. Kids think it's funny. Where is Stewie? Where did he go? But you know, maybe, that it's possible to push that game a little too far and start hurting the kid. Because once little Stewie says, no, no, I'm here, the game's over. If you keep doing it, oh, no, he's not here, the kid will start to cry. Now, maybe as a grown-up, you've accidentally taken the game too far, or maybe you had older brothers and sisters that pretended you weren't there no matter what you did or something, and you know that all of a sudden it can be hurtful because in our hearts, we need to be heard. In our hearts, we need to connect. The secret spiritual message is to acknowledge that you are surrounded But more than that, if you want to take things to a spiritual level, take them out of the interpersonal and apply it to your relationship with God. Because here's the thing. I'm not crazy about words like sin, but you want the big sin, the big mistake, the big error. Here it is. Trying to get something you already have. Trying to make something that already is. It's like playing peekaboo with God. Because here is every miracle. Here is all of the blessings in the world, all of the freedom, all of the potential. And it's so easy to walk around going, where's God? I don't see him. Where'd he go? And God's giggling. And then all of a sudden, it's not funny anymore. I've been there. It is the profound, I don't want to sound too heavy-handed about it, but it is the profound disrespect of what God gives us to act like it ain't there. Now, I don't want to make you feel bad, but the good news is you can decide the game's over anytime you want to go, oh, wait a minute been here all the time and that's a universal story but sometimes the idea of acting the idea of wanting to do the right thing is so scary that people just decide not to do anything people just lock up i don't want to do it wrong so i'm just not going to do anything i'm going to medicate it i'm going to hide from it i'm going to rebel against it i'm going to sleep through it sometimes people are so skeptical of action that they they don't trust anybody who's trying to do anything look at what they do to heroes sometimes Look at what people do sometimes to even organizations that are trying to make a difference in the world. Here I am in a church. <laughs> when I've heard so many people go, you know, a church is kind of an outdated concept. <laughs> Here we are. But it's part of it. And if you want to be a, a spiritual person or a religious person, I don't recommend Facebook. I mostly use it to make sure I say happy birthday to everybody. Facebook is a birthday engine for me. (laughs) But 
maybe you've seen the post and it's one of those things, it's like half of a good idea and it's well-intentioned and I get it and I wanna love everybody and okay, come here, you need a hug, I need a hug, it's gonna be okay, but I've seen the post, it just makes me crazy and it's the post where somebody says, you know, spiritual people will do what's right no matter what they're told and religious people will just do what they're told no matter what's right. And it's like, really? That's the thing? Because here's the thing. I can think of a lot of heroes who are religious. I get it. People have been beat up by religion. I get it. Somebody hit somebody over the head with a Bible. It doesn't mean that we should throw the thing away. It means maybe we should read it instead of using it as a weapon. You know, one time I knew this guy that flew on an airplane. He flew to Missouri. And then like five years later, he lost everything in the stock market. So obviously air travel is bad. You get what I'm saying? One time I got food poisoning, so restaurants are all bad. Some missing pieces of the puzzle. So let me say all of that differently. Here's the thing. Spiritual people don't do anything. Because if you look it up in the dictionary, spirituality has to do with how you feel. And that's important. I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm saying spirituality is an intimate thing. It's a personal thing. Spirituality happens in your heart between you and God. That's what it means in the dictionary. Spirituality is about how you feel. And you know this because I've said it before. Spirituality is about how you feel. Religion is about what you do. If you look it up in the dictionary, I'm not making it up. And so, what we require is both. Action doesn't happen until your spirituality is so intense, the way you feel is so intense, that it becomes a religious assertion. That's where it happens. You need both, because let's, let's really get down to it. Religion without spirituality is action without intention. Running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Spirituality without religion is just a bunch of people sitting around feeling a certain way. And that's great, but who cares? There's homeless people to feed. You need both. And when you think about it, every hero you ever had is religious. Now, they could be religious explicitly, like a spiritual faith claim, or just religious in that they feel so strongly about something on the inside that they do something on the outside. Religion is where action happens. And there's that other Facebook post, and this is not going to be all day me picking on Facebook, but there's that other one that says, you know, Jesus wasn't a Christian, and the Buddha wasn't a Buddhist, and whatever wasn't a whatever. and They were all religious. You know Jesus was really like super Jewish, right? <laughs> I mean, really, really Jewish. I came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. The Buddha was a Hindu. Gandhi was a Hindu. Don't get me started about Moses and Muhammad. These are religious people. Don't even get me started about other people like Dr. Martin Luther King and Mother Teresa. These are religious people. And whatever you think about their individual faith claim, each and every one of them taught and spoke and wrote and sent people out to go talk to other people. These are things that religions do. Maybe religion ain't the problem. Maybe it's what we do with it. If you want a life that works, be spiritual and be religious. Find both things. And I get it. I know people say, well, you know, somebody made up a lot of rules sometime just to keep us all down and to hold everybody still. And I don't like that. I don't like all those rules. Signs, signs everywhere, signs. And I'm a long-haired, freaky person. And I don't, you know, whatever it is. I get it. 
Whatever. Okay, I get it. I get it. I've heard the rant too. I hear it all the time. People feel obliged to give me that rant when I tell them I'm a preacher. I get it. But here's the thing. If you want to control people and keep them down, don't give them a bunch of rules. Because if I know anything, after all my years of ministry, after all my years of being a dad, after all my years of just walking around on planet Earth, what I know is that you and I and every single person has a rebellious nature. If you give somebody a bunch of rules, the first thing they're going to do is thumb their nose or use another finger to, to illustrate their feeling about it and throw the rules away. You cannot control people with rules. If you want to keep people down, make them smug. Tell them that they're better than everything. Tell them that you don't have to change. You're perfect. Just exactly how you are. Don't do anything about it. Don't question anything. Just live in it. If you want to keep people completely still, let them know that they don't have to change. Make the kind of people that go, well, I don't want to go do that thing because, you know, I read those reviews. You want to keep people still? Make them smug. Take religion away from them. Religion is action. Religion is rebellion. You know what we need in this world? A little more religion. And specifically, you know what we need in this world is just a little bit of heresy. I mean, think about it. That's what we need. Every hero you ever had was a heretic. Someone who stood up and said, wait a minute, the way that I feel on the inside is way too big for the way that you're doing things on the outside. That's what heroes do. Every hero is a heretic and every heretic is religious. That's how it works. Think about how much of a heresy it is for Jesus to kick the money changers out of the temple or to say, you know what, we shouldn't throw rocks at anybody. Think about what a heresy it is for Martin Luther to stand there in 1517. Think about what a heresy it is to not move to the back of the bus. Questioning the rules, standing up for what's right. These are religious moments. If you want a life that works, man... Get inspired by something. Get so spiritual that your spirituality becomes religion and your religion becomes a heresy. Ask the right questions. And make no mistake, this is about you and me. This isn't just about some hero that you had in the past, although you can look at every single hero story and they're all the same. This is about your hero story. Apply that to yourself. If you don't like the way things are going in your life, maybe it's time for a little heresy. Maybe it's time to ask a question. Maybe it's time to stand up. Because I don't know about you, but I've been told a lot of things that turns out ain't so true. Don't even get me started on parachute pants. What a mistake that was. There are pictures. I had a mullet at one point. I didn't know. I didn't know. And I need to make an amends to everybody watching. Perhaps more significantly... There are bigger things to rebel against, bigger things to stand up to. Somebody somewhere told us that the way to a healthy life was to bounce back and forth like some kind of a cosmic ping pong ball between incredible suffering and incredible coping. Somebody told us at some point that the way to be a successful person, a happy person, a big person, a, I don't know, heroic person was to just beat yourself up for eight hours a day, five days a week, for decades. And you beat yourself up and you beat yourself up and you're a really good person if you can make yourself miserable. Now, we talked about how practice works a minute ago. But the idea is if you can just beat yourself up to the point where you're just so shredded and so done that you ping pong over to the other side where you just medicate for a while. And you just check out until you can bounce back. 
And we're told that that is life. And man, oh man, I was at Disney World yesterday and I saw people that were on that kind of a vacation where the whole family, I'm going to make you happy if I have to make you miserable doing it. Oh, there was some, there was, it's a dad thing maybe. I saw some moms though. I saw a mom who had just checked out. Oh no, I heard a guy, this is great. I was walking to a restaurant. We went to Disney World, thank you for reminding me. We went to Disney World because we found out they had vegetarian hot dogs. And so that makes sense to drive an hour and a half to do that. But that's what we did. You don't understand. I've been wanting hot dogs from that place since I was a kid, but I've been a vegetarian forever. I can't go in there. Free at last. But it was crowded and it was lunchtime and it was hot. And I heard a dad say, I don't care what you don't want. (laughs) Which is maybe the most dad sentence of any dad sentence. But there's a truth there. It's not about affirming something that hurts. And it's not about saying no to it either. It's not about bouncing back and forth between those dreadful extremes. And traditionally, the answer that we're given in every self-help book and every seminar and every whatever it is, is just really lean into one or the other. In other words, well, just work harder. Get up an hour earlier and just really give yourself, really shred yourself. Right? You've heard that. How many books are about, here's how to maximize your to-do list so you can be miserable by 8 a.m.? It's true. On the other hand, the other end of the thing is really lean into checking out. And, I mean, that's where addiction lives, for example. But not just that. It's the whole thing. I'm going to thumb my nose at the whole world, and I'm going to rebel against whatever you got, and I'm just going to check out, and I'm going to be mad at everything, and I'm going to say no to no matter what life gives me. And that doesn't help either. We've been told that life is this wheel of suffering and coping. Suffering and coping. But I'm here to tell you that there is a different way. There is a way off that treadmill, as it is written, Jane, get me off this crazy thing. There is another way. You've dated yourself if you laughed at that joke. (laughs) What if it's not about any of that? What if there's something inside of you that you can work with? What if you had a life that you didn't need a vacation from? Think of that. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, I want you to leave your nets. In other words, I want you to not be defined by the thing that you do. Oh, we've got things to do. We're going to change the world right now, boys. But you're not going to be defined by your job anymore. Jesus asked the disciples to leave their nets and not be defined by suffering anymore. Do you think that he asks any less of us? What if you're not defined by the things that you do? But what if there's something inside of you that is so much bigger? Here's the thing. A while ago we talked about blame and the idea that everything bounces back to you. Today we're going to go a little bit further. Here's the thing. Talk about faith and works like they're two different things. There's no difference. Everything you do shows what you got going on on the inside, right? Jesus said, the stones cry out on earth as it is in heaven. The eye is a lamp of the body. What you say in secret is shattered from the rooftops. And he said, more than that, what you have on the inside is what you have on the outside. The way that you live shows everybody your religion. So ask yourself, is this the church that I would go to based on the way that I act? Or what if there's another way? What if right now, look, you got groceries to buy, you got bills to pay, I get it. But what if you just found something 
What if you stop participating in that one conversation? You turned that one piece of electronic uh, diversion off. You took one minute to engage. What if you did one thing to jump out of the ping pong cycle off that wheel and just said, here I am. What if you did one thing today that made your heart happy? And what if tomorrow you did another one? And what if at the end of that road is freedom? Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the lesson and hopefully for taking some time to apply what we talked about in your life. That's where this really happens. I love the idea that church isn't something that happens to you, but rather something that happens through you. What you do based on what you've heard can change your life and really change the world. This is just the beginning of a bigger journey. And if you want to continue your journey with us, I'd love for you to like and subscribe us on YouTube where you can watch the videos. Come join us in person. Our street address and all kinds of information is at our website, waterandstonechurch.com. All of that sort of thing. If you want to give electronically, that's where to do it. If you want to connect with us on social media, and you really should do that there, waterandstonechurch.com. Thank you for being a part of this work.